Welcome to the Therapy Evolved Podcast, brought to you by Paragon Wellness. Each episode, we discuss the modern behaviors that trigger positive emotional states by tapping into the body and brain's evolved needs, which are so often neglected in modern life. Join us as we talk with experts in a relevant field, as well as everyday people who've experienced better mastery over themselves and their lifestyles through applying the principles of behavior we espouse. And if you'd like to know more, please join us at paragon-counseling.com or facebook.com slash paragonwellness. Thanks again for joining us. Welcome back to the Therapy Evolved podcast. Today we have Daphne Domino, who is a licensed professional counselor or provisionally? Actually, LPC, licensed professional Oh, a freshly licensed professional counselor for the state of Louisiana, who is a peer at UNO's PhD program in counseling. And we are going to talk today about some less covered topics in the world of therapy as far as, you know, adaptive behavior and therapeutic actions kind of go. And this whole podcast is about using principles of evolution and science towards personal improvement. So, Daphne, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Awesome. If you could tell people sort of, you know, in better words than I did, a little bit about your background, what brought you into counseling, and your kind of approach. Okay. Um, Let's see. What first got me here? Um, I've had probably, I think last time I counted, I think 16 different counselors throughout my life. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, for different things. Like I, younger sister has an eating disorder, you know, growing up. Um, we, we dealt with that, had a lot of family therapy and all. Um, I've had marriage counseling, previous marriages before. And then I think the, the biggest thing, the main thing was, um, I battled with addiction um, cocaine, meth, amphetamine, um, some pretty bad stuff and, um, ended up in inpatient treatment twice and, you know, got onto the road of recovery and, uh, numerous counselors, both inpatient. And then I'd go into like, um, intensive outpatient and, you know, weekly groups and all, you know, had personal counselors and everything. So that's how I have acquired so many throughout so much time. Um, but it's been, um, as a matter of fact, I think in three days makes 11 years that nice. I have been clean. Congratulations. Thank you. Early. And um, I know how much counseling benefited me, you know, and I know from so many different counselors that I've had throughout all of this, what worked, what didn't, what I responded to, what I liked, what I found ineffective. So it's been pretty cool, like kind of collecting all that stuff throughout the years and then choosing that this is what I want to do so I know what it feels like to be on either chair, the sure. client and the counselor now. So um, I wonder how common that is. Like, I know it certainly played a role in my case, uh, you know, coming back from Iraq and all these other things. Mm-hmm. How common do you think it is for a counselor to do a good job or a bad job and someone to go, you know what, this is where I want or need to go? I think it's... At least in the terms of addiction, I think it's pretty common. Um, I know of a few, actually probably five or six different counselors that I know just from my area 
who have come up through, you know, battled addiction, got through it, got strong, and decided, you know what, I need to, uh, this is what I want to do. I want to pass this on. I want to help. And uh, who have also gotten to the field of counseling in various forms. Sure. Um, Now, I don't work specifically with addiction. Um, That hits a little too close to home. Yeah. And I think that I'm, I work with it a little bit because, you know, they're usually dual diagnosis. They, they go hand in hand with a lot of other things. So, you know, I'm going to face it. But as far as like drug, working like inpatient or specifically yeah. in addictions, it's, I don't think that's where I belong. Good, like sort of professional distance to keep your clarity. Kind of exactly. I, you know, I mean, it's it's easy to become too emotionally involved as it is just with my teenage population that I mostly work with you know and it's something that you really really feel strongly about and you know it kind of brings up can bring up your own stuff then it's yeah two I have two thoughts lingering on this so on I think episode four I interviewed a substance abuse counselor Beth Pace I don't know if you've ever heard of her it's really good. She runs a program at Orleans Drug Court right now. Oh, okay. And we kind of talked about how addiction is a side effect. It it meets a need that was failed to meet internally. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, to say that you, again, you're like, I don't work with addiction primarily, but it's unavoidable. Because how easy and prolific and on the surface sensible is it to utilize a glass of whiskey to deal with a rough day at work? Or... Um, hit the pipe if you're having a hard time getting the energy to hit your shift tomorrow or, you know, do a line to tolerate your husband or whatever the case may be. Exactly. You know? Very, very easy. <laughs> well, and we, we don't make it hard, you know? <laughs> no, no, not at all. You know, and it's, it's easy even today. Like at this point, I'll, I'll have a glass of wine or a beer every now and then, but I have to be very, very mindful of where my head's at at the time. Sure. You know, am I having a really, really rough day? I will not go near it if that's the case. Yeah. Um, it's it's really easy, I guess, to, you know, look at that. And some people frown upon that, you know. Um, a lot of programs I'm not mentioning or, you know, all or nothing. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I know that through all the therapy I've gotten to the root. And what you said, you know, those empty gaps that the, the, the drugs feel and all that. We've um, determined what that was, and it wasn't easy. Sure. And, you know, finding it's certainly not the end of the work either. No, it's certainly not. So I'm just, I'm very mindful not to, there's a difference between, I guess, having a glass occasionally, I'm in a good spot, and and self-medicating because I just want to not feel whatever it is that's coming up. Yeah, and it's a a dampening of the prefrontal cortex away. Yes. (laughs) Um, and, you know, what I love about addiction in general is it's such a, I don't love people being addicted, obviously, but right. the study of it is such a clear picture of the chemical nature of emotion. It's like if you, if you understand that all your emotions are chemistry and you add a foreign chemical to it, it's going to alter the mix, um, usually with consequences worse than the benefits in the long run, of course. That's why we don't make it ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Exactly. Um, you know, exceptions being psychedelic drugs, because I can't argue that. We make DMT, which is the most powerful hallucinogen out there. We make it in our brains every time we sleep. But, um, you know, the, the narcotic-type drugs is what I'm referencing. And even alcohol and nicotine and stuff. So that was one kind of vein of thinking of, like, oh, yeah, addiction, of course. It's the ultimate quick fix that's so easy for us to get and so culturally acceptable yeah. to do. Yeah. Until you go one step too far, 
and then it's then you're somehow a problem now. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's very easy to cross that line. Do a little blowity on the weekends. You're a cool kid. Yeah. You do it Monday morning. You're an addict. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's a. It, it's very easy, especially for people who don't struggle with it, to label sure. others. Meanwhile, it's you know the hypocrisy of it too. It's like okay, so that's how that person solves their problems. What do you do for yours? Oh, infidelity, uh, shopping addiction, exactly. and you gamble your check. Gamble, <laughs> you know? right, right, so, sex. Yeah. I mean, um, but those aren't as taboo, taboo you know, um, well, until it gets really big. Sure. You know, you get busted, and then, oh, I have a sex addiction. I wasn't just running around. Right. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> and then, you know, and there's a thing, too, where, like, I'll be, I'm feeling really politically incorrect today. That's and, awesome. Yeah, no, so... Fuck 12 steps. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, anybody who wants to argue with that with me, I'll do it with you. Um, but a pseudo-religious science based out of the 1930s thinking that um, is the other swing of the all-or-nothing problem, you know. And so now we've got this, like, bullshit rehab culture that's permeated through reality TV that now it's... They don't do any injustice. Right. You know... So now it's either you have an addiction and there is no willpower involved whatsoever, or it's all willpower and there's no medical factor and you're just making an excuse. The reality is so much more like intertwined. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I could talk about addiction all day and listen to it all day because it's, it's so similar to every other emotional problem. It, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Um, from experience, the rehab thing... It served a purpose, absolutely. I will never, um, you know, knock that part. But you are safe. You know, you're safe for 28 days. You have been removed from the people, places, and things that you associate. You know, you you get to um, kind of clear your mind. You know, your emotions come back, usually full force, and it's very scary because, you know, imagine how long you've been numbing those emotions and they all come back and they come back with a vengeance and it's combinations of yeah and you know like i couldn't even i didn't even i I had problems identifying what the hell i was feeling you know those little feeling sheets that we use for kids fuck i needed one of those every morning you know how am i feeling we have to do a check-in and fuck i have no idea i hadn't felt this shit i don't even know what it is you know so i'm like picking out the little faces and it's funny you know it's like shit you know i've numbed it for so long and it's all coming back and combinations of them but um but when you leave that's just it you're coming out you gotta want it basically last bottom line you gotta want it and know what the hell you're doing when you do want it it's yeah. such a combination of and, and catch yourself yeah. and, and not make excuses and you know it's easy that's easy to do man so-and-so made me feel this way and i just you know it's like no 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 no, no. you allowed him to make you feel that way and that's sure. the kind of stuff that i had to pick up and learn but, I, you know, I, I take ownership of it, responsibility. It's a choice. God, I love that word, ownership. Yeah, and yeah. own it. It's, it was my choice. Oh, yes. a disease, Daphne. Don't mm-hmm. be an insensitive bitch. Yeah, well, you know, I made a choice to pick it up. Yeah. I could have picked up the phone and called a therapist, a sponsor, a friend in AA, a family member, anybody. You know, I didn't have to call the dope man. Sure. Or one of my friends who I knew would be, you know, um... High as, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you, know, God, you look at it too, and there's like this, there's this dichotomy, right? Because it's like, yeah, there is, I don't care what you say, there is a choice. That choice may be 
ameliorated by your shriveled prefrontal cortex. It may be made harder by your environment, by the shitty people you surround yourself with, so on and so forth. You generally, not you specifically, Daphne, I'm sorry. No, but, well, it wasn't <laughs> easy, no, because, I mean, I relapsed a couple times, ended up yeah. back again. And, you know, yeah, it wasn't until that, that second time when I was really desperate and said, you know what, I, this thing's got me by the ass, and i got to do something, and I want to sure. do something. Like, I don't want to live this way. Sure. And so it's like, there's a choice, but I guess what I'm getting at is, like, there's a strategy, too. Yes. You know, you can choose all you, all you please, but if you make dumb moves over and over... Roadmap to relapse, right? I'm tell you, every time I did it, I, I knew what I was doing. And, um, you know, our minds, I think, work a little differently. We're very good at rationalizing and justifying and, um, you know, uh, up here. Yeah. So, you know, by the time we actually pick up the drug, we've done relapse in our head days before, usually, because it's sure. all masterminded. And I'll, I'll throw in another um, fuck you plug to something. Uh, fuck you, CBT. <laughs> this, is, this is a little less obvious than AA because everybody, you know, this is like uh-huh. the psychologist pet baby that they dumped all their money in and, uh, you know, tried to monopolize all the research funds for. Uh-huh. And CBT is good at picking out these thoughts. Right. But thoughts are electrical and emotions are chemical, to put it simply. No one gives a shit how irrational you're being when you're doing it. Yeah. So, like, this you idea, either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a. It makes college. perfect sense why you're doing it. You're yeah. like, this is beautiful. This line right here is it's beautiful, well, and I'm going to just do All it. or nothing thinking. Uh, yeah. yeah, well. Let's well, fuck I, it. I'm going to deal yeah. with the consequences later. I know this know? is stupid. I don't care. But I want this feel good for half an hour. Yeah. It's coming. So the problem with CBT and that whole line of uh, behavioristic or cognitive cult that followed after it. Man, I'm going to get so fired up to this by whoever. <laughs> but that's okay. It's the fun of this, right? Um, with all five listeners I'm going to have, right? Oh, hell, so, you never know. <laughs> the thing is, like, they don't, they act like the chemistry doesn't even exist. Yeah. This, this idea of, like, cognitive behavioral therapy. So if you just recognize that this is irrational, when does that ever work for a husband with a pissed off wife? Right. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. Have, yeah. have you ever told a female who's fired up to calm down? Yeah. I know this shit does not work on me. Daphne, you're being irrational. What yeah. are you throwing a plate for? Yeah. Yeah. And then like, yeah. After you, yeah. Honey, that's a cognitive distortion. Right. I'll show you irrational. I'll show you irrational. That's when I'm fired up. Don't. Yeah. I might know it. Of course I know it, but I don't want to hear it. Sure. And knowing isn't going to stop you from doing shit. No, hell no. Hell no. That is unless you master your chemistry, right? So, My favorite counselor, my favorite addiction counselor, was an older British woman. Sarcastic as hell. And I didn't know what she was using at the time, but now that I kind of know theories, mm-hmm. I say kind of know, but you know, it's we know them. We've got so many that's just kind of thrown here. This all, sure. The array of theories. Um, looking back, there was a lot of reality-based you know, and it's that, it's that mirror you don't want to look at when you're an addict because, you know, it's just the, the person we're trying to run, run away from the most is us. Yeah. And so when that reality mirror gets held up in front of your face, I didn't like it one bit. Well, if you notice, that's hitting your emotional state, mm-hmm. right? And so with all this addiction stuff, that's the first thing I wanted to uh, dive into. And we've naturally flown into the second, which is sort of what stuck out to me, what you said earlier was this idea of, Learn what works, learn what doesn't work. I'm starting to hear a little bit about what did work for you, like this reality base, this rubbing your emotional state back in your face. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what didn't work for you? What didn't work... Um, 
and I, and I don't want to knock anybody because this works for some people, but I didn't respond well to like the coddling type, you know, softer therapies. You know, um, it was, you know, the oh man, why did you, you know, what came up for you when you did, you know. Mm-hmm. I responded better to, you know. Grad school textbook stuff. Yeah, what, the, like, what the hell were you thinking? Like, yeah. you know, um, and how'd that work for you? Because, you know, like, and I had to laugh. She was so sarcastic, but I have that same personality. Sure. Like, I, it's dry humor, and it's, so it, I wasn't made to feel like shit, but, you know, but I was made to think. And that rapport probably came first, I'd imagine, like a little bit of. Absolutely. You know, if you walk up, if some stranger would have told you that, you, you might be brawling in the street. That's but, it. You know. And what didn't work also, you know, you could pick out. Let's say I'm in a group of people. We're in, we're in a group. We're doing, you know, addiction, an addiction group. I had several all-women groups. And, you know, you know the ones that are hilarious and that you, like, kind of gravitate towards. I say you, but me. Okay. I'm afraid of that. But, you know, the ones that it's like, um, oh, my God, I have so much fun with this crazy bitch outside, you know. But, of course, those are the ones who usually, I can't say all of them, but they're not taking the program seriously. They're going to go out and relapse again. So it's kind of like, be careful about people, you, you know, not everybody in recovery or around recovery is in recovery. I learned that as well very quickly on um, Doesn't matter how many times they say they're grateful or how many chips they clink, right? Or yeah, exactly. I mean, they may be working a good program, whatever you want to call it, for their drug addiction. Mm-hmm. But be mindful of what they got going on. Otherwise, like, because you know, you have to have friends. Like, part of it was me finding new friends, sure. healthy friends. And you know, I went through a lot. I find women are maybe they're more scarce than men. Their choices are a little maybe smaller because um, they're not all like this. I can't label, but I have gone through so many. It was like you know, you know, try to find lady friends. friends. Yeah, okay. Yes, in recovery, and you know, one's running around with her husband. She's got a boyfriend, and this and that. And it's just kind of like my God, you know, like I'm supposed to be like healthy. Like like sure. this is, you know, and and yeah, they weren't all you know the not always necessarily doing drugs anymore, but it was kind of like, okay, like, you know, the lifestyle thing, it's, I don't, I still don't feel right with, with this stuff going on. And so we're back to this idea that um, addiction is just a side effect, you know, and yeah. someone may have beaten that side effect, but they haven't fixed the core yet. Right. Exactly. And then they tell you too, is like, go find recovery-based friendships, so then you could get sucked into the scenario where you're Trying to find people focusing on the side effect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, there's so much that ties them together. Um, I mean, I did, I got some really good advice, suggestions and stuff from, you know, from, um, well, that's a dirty word in counseling. I guess it is, but. I don't know, like suggestions, I don't know, advice. But you don't have to fix it, I'm just saying. Like, no. You know, we are vehemently uh, assaulted for... for we are. Thing, right? And, you know, addicts don't like being told what to do either. Sure. So, especially when you got somebody that sees what's going on and can recommend or suggest, you know. Um, but it was, you know what? Find a hobby. 
Like, you know, that's going to be pretty important. You know, we learn that in treatment. We learn that out. And it's like, I'm not a real girly girl. I do shop every now and then. But after blowing all your money and getting everything, um, like, just taken from you to the point to where you're almost homeless, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to go shopping, all right? What the hell with, you know? Sure. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then that's I don't love it that much to make it a hobby either. But, right. You know, and, and it's, what what well, is there? What I'm hearing is, yeah, it's, you just answered this, but it's sort of like, or you just asked what I was about to ask, but the idea of like, well, what hobbies aren't going to be a side effect of emotional problem, mm-hmm. you know, problematic feelings? Right. So I'm hearing that what did work for you is just sort of like having your emotions rubbed in your face, honestly and bluntly, but in a supported environment. And maybe what did work for you is just seeing infinite numbers of examples of what didn't work. Yeah. So kind of like a narrow it down kind of thing. For sure. Okay. For sure. Makes perfect sense to me. So you've gotten through that, and it sounds like your method um, has been through like actions, through particular lifestyle changes and actions you've made. A lot of actions, yes. <laughs> so, and what we're going to focus on next is sort of like event, you know, how you came to be this like tough hunting, camping, <laughs> nature chick, clean off of addiction, super outgoing. And before you go, stay, uh, you know, stereotyping somebody for being this like outdoorsy redneck, you're on a PhD program, right? <laughs> so, and I'm from South Florida myself. I can't really talk. But, uh, now, what did it? What was it like? I guess in general terms, going from the person who's like, "What the hell do I do? Who the hell do I get around? How do I stay off this shit?" to having this sort of fulfillment of mind that you have now? I'd like to say. Um, happenstance, but I don't believe in that anymore because too many things have have come up when I needed them to come up. Okay. I think we probably played a, a, one of the biggest roles, and you you know twelve steps or whatever. But I did work them. Okay. But I had a cool ass sponsor that was so much like me, very down to earth, like you know, and it helped normalize some things that I was so like ashamed of. Oh my God, I just shouldn't even be alive. I mean, I did all these bad things. Well, you sit down and it's very therapeutic. You could do this with your therapist. You do these steps, the fourth, fifth, where you just kind of put all your dirty laundry out there. You know, and that person's just sitting there. It's like a counselor. Like there's no judgment. And you know, the person will usually turn around and like, well, just chill because I've done all of that and this, this, and this. And you kind of, you're like, okay, I'm not the world's biggest asshole and I'm not, you know, an evil, you know, there's hope. Mm-hmm. It brings hope. Yeah. A lot of that brings hope. Somebody else did all this stuff, possibly more, and isn't miserable right now. Yes, yeah. and they've moved on and they're living a decent life and, and they are, um, they're happy and, and, you know, they're not living under a bridge. They have made it. They, you know, have, you know, good jobs, whatever, you know, just, you know, I'm not measuring money, success or anything like that, but they, they have, they've come to be. They're self-supporting. They're, so, you know, there's a lot I looked up to. Yeah. Gave me a positive, you know, good positive influence. Like, well, she did all this stuff and she's here. That's, that's cool. Uh, and, you know, you, well, if you really measure the numbers, it's so important to see an example of someone who can do that because the rate is like 3% success for people that develop an addiction and then try to get out of it without help. You know? yeah. And the numbers are maybe like 30% success for those that do get help. So. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. 
but as far as, you know, finding, going into, um, I'm Native American, first off. Um, grew up not on the reservation, but visited it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those cultural things, traditions, the nature, um, you know, the great spirit and all that, you know, raised Catholic, but we still talked about, you know, um, but the outdoors, Mother Earth, um, it was always there. And I always, since itty bitty, loved just being outside, you know, um, and yeah, straight coon ass as soon as I go outside, the shoes come off and, you know, just... (laughs) That would be a French-descended redneck for those of you outside Louisiana. (laughs) Uh, um, um, term for Cajun <laughs> uh, definition um, anyone residing south of I-10 is <laughs> anyway that's what we clown sure. we joke but you know just um, but being outdoors was always I loved it bikes whatever playing in the mud tomboy I had go-karts growing up uh, dirt bikes. Uh, I was out in the woods all the time. You know, Dad wasn't. Um, he wasn't like the sportsman, hunter, fishing thing. But he had race cars, and he was a motorhead. Okay. So you know, I was always around engines and um, vehicles, and under the hood of you know. So he was always there around that kind of stuff. So we had like these motorized toys and stuff. You know, it was pretty cool. Well, it sounds like you know you're occupying your mind. You're doing physical exertion. Mm-hmm. You might be sweating a little bit. You might be getting a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Getting a little bit dirty. Yeah. You know. And I've talked about this at length in some episodes before, but and you know this with your background, but I'm going to sort of put a little biochemical spin on this to kind of anchor what we talk about mm-hmm. next. And the goal neurochemically that I try to get my clients to reach is something we call a flow state. And the idea is it's a combination of chemical cocktails. And um, when these chemicals line up in certain parts and amounts, I can't give you the recipe, but I know the contents. Sure. <laughs> and you got like anandamide for creativity. You got uh, dopamine for pleasure. You've got serotonin for, you know, mental well-being. You've got... Um, norepinephrine for focus and you've got like uh endorphins did I say endorphins for pain relief I don't remember but anyway I think you know and so these five when you get those lined up just right it's perfect storm where you get that in the zone super high kind of feeling that high yes that's sort of like drawing the bowstring back and watching the the buck flick his ear is one little twitch might mess up the shot kind of level of focus I love it (laughs) And we're going to talk, obviously, about how your behaviors maybe are getting you there or close to there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got their own way. I'm not, I don't have the hunting experience you do. I did some in, um, in the Amazon, but it was very, you know, it was very brief. It was smaller game. Mm-hmm. I've done little stuff here and there, but by no means do I have, like, the dogs and the freezer and the boats and, all, and the deer stands and all the stuff, so... <laughs> I know how to go out there, kill something, rip the skin off, and turn it edible. Right, And discard right. the organs. <laughs> but that's about the extent, you know? And to learn all that, too. Yeah. So for people that are generally listening to a therapy podcast, now our, ours is a little different, but you don't think of, like, gutting animals and swatting mosquitoes and crawling through the mud as, like, healthy behavior. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do you think of, like, mixed martial arts and warfare. And, you know. Right. 
but Therapy Evolved and you know, Paragon Wellness, the company that sponsors it, we're maybe a little bit more of a masculine form of therapy, not to claim it as a gender-specific thing, no. but more of an active, maybe even aggressive way mm-hmm. to approach it. And from that perspective of chemistry, from that perspective of like what's going on as you alter your own emotional states through your actions, walk us through a little bit what it's like for you to be a hunter. Okay. That's a really cool question. So, um, okay. I don't know where we are time-wise, but we're good. Okay. So um, I could talk about this forever because I love it. I do. Um, Anyway, I didn't know that I'd like it. Mm -hmm. Bought the bow, started shooting, and just ended up loving it. Loving it. Like I first went out a few times just to be out in the woods. Um, was ex-husband at the time, but... And it was like, you know, you know, getting the, the tripod and just being out there. I, I just knew. I was like, you know, and it was, we hunted the swamp at first. And um, it's kind of tough hunting. I was about to say, it's a little rough. You can't Kind of tough hunting. <laughs> um, but I loved it. Um, there's so many different sides of it that peak so many different emotions and, and feelings. Uh, it's, all right, let's start with... Okay, uh, we're in the truck. Um, you know, we're geared up. We're, we're driving to the drop-off point, you know. Um, at that point, you know, let's just say it's it's early in the morning. It's still dark because you got to get to those stands before light comes up, mm-hmm. at least a good hour before. So say it's 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, um, a little groggy. But uh, it's cold. The anticipation is building up. Because, you know, it's hunting. It's not killing. It's not, I'm taking pictures out here. It's, you know, what am I going to see out here today? You know, am I going to see the big guy, the booner? You know, some does, some uh, turkeys fighting. It's nature, so you don't know. Sure. You know, or the squirrels. I mean, worst case scenario, the squirrels are hilarious. They will put on the funniest damn show. Like, it's just you sit there and watching them, and they're just, you know, it's like, oh, my God, these little assholes are just, you know, fighting and arguing, it sounds like, you know, but, see, it's this, I don't, what's going to happen today? Yeah. There's no usual day at the office or usual day hunting. It doesn't happen. So, you know, and, and there's a thrill. You're, it's dark. You know, you're trying to get to your stand now, and so um, I try to get in there and cheat and bright eye a trail to my stand, you know, different ones or whatever, but it's still, you know, you're trying to be really quiet. Your heart starts um, beating quickly. What type of thoughts do you have in this moment when you're creeping up to your fixed point to attack? Um, there's a there's a range of them, okay, because you'll hear different noises. Sometimes you'll hear coyotes. Mm-hmm. Back in the, you know, just kind of farther away, you'll hear things rustling around in the trees. Um, owls are very common. And that, ooh, ooh, you know, it's dark. You're by yourself. A little creepy kind of feeling. You might look at the little chills come up a little bit, too, you know, because you're like, I'm in the woods. I'm like way out in the woods. And, you know, sometimes things will pop up. Sure. And it's not exactly bodies in woods it's a like semi, this. <laughs> it's a semi-permissive environment, but we still have black bears. We still have mm-hmm. vipers. We still have um, gators. We still have... Oh, there's bobcats. There's, um, there's all kinds of stuff in there, yeah. you know. And uh, so, yeah, there's that little element of fear. 
that, uh, and I like it, of course. I mean, that's, yeah. I'm an adrenaline junkie. My drugs of choice were Uppers. speed. Yeah. So anything that makes that heart start beating fast, I like it. And it's sure. natural. You know, so that's the, but, you know, being stealth really quiet and you know not leaves are all dry so you got to walk really softly you know mm-hmm. you don't want to walk too fast you don't want to get all sweaty in all your gear and you know because it's just cold by the time you get up there and, it's well, really and cold. your scent goes for much scent? longer distance oh yeah so um there's all that stuff that's running all this science about it that's running in your head at the same time you know so you find your stand you know and it's um take your bow and um tie it there's a we always we have strings hanging from all the um, stands where you tie your bow up and then um, climb up, and it depends on what kind of stand harnesses or ladder stands or whatever. But so I've never actually used a stand before. I've always yeah. just like crept. And, uh-huh. and I'm speaking right now, I guess, of hunting in Illinois. Okay. At, you know, just it's very hilly. It's uh, usually a pretty good trek to your stand yeah. from um, drop off point, but. Um, so you know, tie off that bow and you get in the tree, you kind of get your stuff situated, hang your bag, whatever, and then you, you pull your bow up and, you know, hang it. You might have to screw in um, hooks and stuff like that. It, I try to have my stuff already prepared. What this reminds me of is the sort of like, and I've done a little bit more wilderness survival, you know, than I have leisure hunting, mm-hmm. but the idea of like there's no room when you're trying to get your shit together. There's no room for worrying about, uh, procedural crap that has to happen back home. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's so. true. But you know, it's like it's like that moment you get in your stand, though. You got everything kind of, you know, the bows hanging. You got an arrow knocked in it and ready, and probably triple checking things you know, when you need to. You just... really, really quiet. Yeah, you know, phones off. Make mm-hmm. sure you know what well, that's supposed to be done in the truck, but it still has to be with you in case there's an accident. Sure. Um, you know, kind of get comfortable get your um release strapped on because i shoot with a compound you know and then at that moment that after that it's kind of like oh like a like a calm like a a a super calm you're there prepared it's pitch black and it's still and it's like that's like my Mm. moments of reflection right there like it's the you know it the world forces you to still and quiet. And that's not something I'm used to doing. That's why I want to tell people I bow hunt and I deer hunt. They laugh because they're like, you're a loud, crazy ass who like always talks and you're moving. I can't see you doing that. But that's something I had to train myself to do. Yeah. I never was able to make myself meditate to do that. I think I practiced a few times, but you know, my mind's bonkers. But if I'd say, I guess I'd have to say this is probably the closest to that state I'll ever be. Sure. And meditation, you know, we talk about that a lot every Friday to, uh, you know, 5 o'clock I run a uh, meditation class if you're ever in the North Shore. Well. <laughs> but, uh, not, it sounds like not your thing, but hey, I'm No, I don't know. I, maybe I could practice, but. Well, you know, we think, I think about, this is called therapy evolved, right? So mm-hmm. this tribal primitive hunting type stuff is exactly on point for what we do. That's and cool. you think about the average tribal work day. The Shuar maybe worked three hours. They patch their mud huts, they check their traps, they might go out and pull something in. Yeah. But most of their work was done the day before, you know. So that leaves, what, eight, nine hours of sleep and the rest to just play around and enjoy the jungle. Hmm. You know, pretty good life. Yeah. And they don't have to have some extreme 
discipline to know how to focus their mind. They've got the time to sort of like work it out naturally. Right. And your external resistance of hunger, of security, of these sorts of mm-hmm. things force you to kind of focus or not be able to focus on stuff that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, we have the luxury and sabotage at once in modern society of being so anti-selective and anti-Darwinistic yeah. and so coddled that we shred ourselves with our own mind. I agree. And meditation is like an artificial form to sort of teach you to overwhelm that. Yeah. But you would have never had need of it in hunter-gatherer society. True. <laughs> so it's interesting how people that can't uh, or haven't developed the meditation skill set can get it through engagement with nature. That's true. And that's one thing that, it's one reason. I, I could go up and not kill anything but time. <laughs> but I still look forward to that time of year. I wish it was like more, like, you know, more frequently than that. But I, I, I love that time of year because I call that, that's my reset. That's my reset button, just being out there. And I go as long as I can, as often as I can during hunting season, um, just that stillness, that, that mind quieting, like you said, that focus that I'm leaving work behind. I'm leaving school behind. I'm leaving, you know, problems that, you know, whoever, phone going off. No, nope, it doesn't even work up there. That's so cool. What good is it for an accident? Shit. Well, well, <laughs> uh, well anyway. <laughs> okay, well, you know. False <laughs> you know, insecurities. They are, know where I'm at, so, False yeah. insecurity is better than none, right? <laughs> Not at the camp, anyway. It doesn't work good at deal. the camp. It didn't work at the camp, but, um. Which is cool. Cause you know, I'm noticing a parallel, and my background is I was a kickboxer in Thailand and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and warfighter before that in the U.S. Army. And the beauty of combat and combat sport and nature is they all share in common no excuses. Mm-hmm. That buck's not going to lay down for you no matter what whining reason you give for your failure to shoot him. That's right. And to me... This placating acceptance of failure is so destructive to our um, self-mastery. Yeah. Because we know better. It doesn't matter how society tries to tell us we all get that trophy. If <laughs> nine other kids have it, we know we didn't do anything special. Yeah. Mine looks just like everybody else's. Yeah, what the fuck <laughs> did I do? And, you know, nature doesn't give you that. You either catch the fish, survive the bear kill the buck, build shelter, yeah. outsmart the mosquitoes, or you don't. Yeah. You know? And I think about you hunting, and I think about fighting, and I think about survival and these sorts of things. There's a reason, and, you know, people that are hearing this, and they're like, oh, my God, I could, like, never do that. Holy shit. You could, and you could adjust to it a lot easier than somebody coming from that environment having to live your world in an office. Because what Daphne's doing in these, in these stands and on the way to these stands and in these swamps and these hills, this is like what humans are biologically and evolutionarily designed to be doing every day. So your reset is really just reconnecting with what the hell <laughs> doing you what I'm been supposed doing. to be doing, yeah. right? The rest and of that, us are fucking That's up. probably why it just comes now. It, it came so naturally. Yeah. Wow, first several years I've hunted. First three. Several, it was three. I didn't, I didn't hit anything. I didn't hit anything, you know. But I shot, you know. So you're cool. But the the rush just from that is just amazing. 
It was like, huh, I didn't kill shit this year, but you know what? That was so cool, and it was so neat, and that rush felt so good. Just pulling it back, I can't even imagine what, you know, if I actually get one, you know? Sure. <laughs> wow, wow, oh, my God. First time I killed one, oh, my God, look. Like, it, you would, it was a little, little bitty dope. You, you swore I got a booner, you know? Go, ah, yeah. you know it, it just, it was an accomplishment. Sure, and nobody could fake it? Nobody could take it away from you? No, yeah. there's no cheating. There's no cheating. Cheating and hunting. Well, well, that's not true. There's there's corn feeders and shit, but none of that was there. <laughs> okay. No, not so not, you weren't cheating. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. They didn't make it any easier on me because I'm a female, if and somebody, I'm glad. If somebody uh, takes a, a case of natty light to the tree stand, you already know what's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, really, guys. Uh huh. Yeah, corn feeder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Um, Did you let him out of the pen before the hunt? <laughs> <laughs> High fence. That is so not even hunting. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so but, uh, the beauty of this is the no excuses, no no whining, mm-hmm. no begging, do or do not. That's it. You know? And it's kind of like a good parallel to life, you know. Um, but life is filled with the, the middle age. Oh, you could blame all you want, but at the end of the day, the results no different. You know, and excuses are like assholes. <laughs> but they get shit done. Huh. For some people, or maybe for only so long, yeah. but you know, you keep using them. Eventually, you're gonna wear it. You know, you're gonna wear out your welcome or whatever it is you're trying to do. There Bosses have, won't there put up it. with uh, it. We've reached a new level of crassness. We're talking about wearing out assholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that turned real quick, didn't it? Yeah. No, we've been on this on this dark path for a while. We just took it to its natural conclusion. Oh, it's all good. But uh, no, I like I like this understanding that. Nature provides you what society will obscure from you. Yes. What would you tell someone that is sort of like wrapped in the web of excuses and modern drone living? Like, yeah. I see it so much, and it's like so hard for me to keep my mouth shut. But yeah. I really want to just do like some reality and be like, you know what? Who is responsible you know, like, what role did you play in whatever this is that's going on? You know, what what was your role in it? What what did you, um, you know, what 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 action? You know, was this a reaction of yours? Would it? You know, but but basically, look at you. Well, the webs the webs of excuses they do nothing but cloud your vision. Look at you. That's it. You know, it's it, it's. You know, I could say all you know all day long. You know, I use drugs because of this person and because of that. But at the end of the day, I didn't. No one made me do it. Well, no one made that. me feel a certain way. If I felt a certain way, it's because I allowed that person the power to make me feel that way. Just like you could allow yourself to not feel that way. That's too. right. Because when you're so busy blaming someone, now you've accepted your lack of power. Yeah, and then that makes things so much easier. Oh, you know, poor me. You get on the poor me's, you know. And, and so then, much harder to do anything else. And then that's yeah. it. You know, relapses, the, the actual doing of the drug is like the last the, the last thing that actually happens. The relapse starts way before you actually pick that drug up. And it's up here. It's in the head. Or the excuse. Mm-hmm. Or the, or the, um, yeah. the self-enslaving behavior that we fight against the, this podcast. Yeah. I didn't get this job. Poor me. You know, well, okay. So you didn't get it. So, okay, um, go after another one. Check your qualifications. Were you qualified for the job? Or accept somebody who got the job might have been more qualified than you. I mean, get more qualified. It, it, yeah. you know, what can you do? There's sure. a lot, you know, what can you do? 
um, you know, it's pull them up and, and go after the next thing. Put put more resumes. See what you're lacking in, in, in skills or something, you know. Go online and learn about, you know, you don't necessarily have to pay money and take classes. You know, they want you to know this computer software. There's so many sure. YouTube videos and so many, like, free, you know, um, resources out there now. It's really... So so take it upon yourself to do it. Stupidity has to be a choice in this area. Initiative. <laughs> There's, that's a big word that I, I, don't, I don't see many people actually take. Sure. Initiative. And it's interesting. Everything you're saying, right, and, you know... The school I went through and the doctrine I went through, it's very big on process. It's very big on uh, emotional state. It's very big on wishes and desires and how you feel about something, how you think about something. We don't spend nearly enough time, I think, diving into what you need to be doing. Yeah, you know? the action part. Because it's funny, everybody thinks you know, the action will rewire the emotion ex post facto. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do something, you will get a feeling about it after. And it's more reliable that way. If you can reliably act, you can reliably get that emotion. I believe that. And we learned that yeah. old school recovery, the old time, the old timers act your way into thinking. And I thought that was so absurd. Well, and then, you know, until I started trying it. Chemistry can provoke <laughs> electricity a lot faster than electricity can provoke chemistry. So, Daphne, we're almost out of time. I know you have to get going soon. Um, two things I want to ask you. Uh, first off. How do you think the field of counseling could improve? I think that ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I I guess it depends. It would depend on what what population, what what specifically like are you are you referring to? Okay. Down. Um, well, let's put it this way: if you had one idea to get across to the entire mental health profession. Maybe it doesn't have to be a behavior. It could be a doctrine. It could be a way of thinking. What would you say to them to do a little bit differently than they're doing now? I would probably, I guess, going through my own. Okay, this is my own for my own personal. Um, I think go off the beaten path more. Take risks. It's so, um, I find there's so many of these things that are like so cookie cutter. And so, um, uh, yeah, I know ethics are always involved and they're always a factor, but I do like some pretty off the wall things with my clients. I work with a lot of teens and you're going to get their attention. You're going to get them to respond. You got to be able to just go off the beaten path. There's almost like a cowardice that comes with standardized therapy, isn't there? I I think so. It's like oh my god, I'm I'm oh, if I say um a cuss word and they oh my god, I'm just going to be so unprofessional. And I'm like, you know what? You this is your this is your session. This is your space. You want to say fuck the whole time we're in. You know you go for it. you know my adults, my kids, and they loosen up. You could watch the body language. They just loosen up and and they realize um she's very human. Yeah. What is what is the word fuck except an expulsion of air at a certain shape of the tongue? You know, you know? but but you know everything's so twisted and t- you know I'm well, and all the carrots to sit here and with my clipboard and so you, how does that make now whatever. And well, you look at the carrots and the sticks of ethics and law and society and norms and habits and the modeling we get from therapists who've been in the field longer than us. Mm-hmm. 
you aren't punished nearly as bad for sucking at what you do as you are for being unorthodox about it. Yeah. You can be, That's true. You know, whereas nature is the exact opposite. Yeah. You know, so That's in this true. field, we protect mediocrity sometimes yeah. and attack innovation. Right. And and supposedly we're supposed to be, you know, like, you know, uh, all about individuality and celebrating that. But when it comes down to being in a chair, I find it's it, we're expected to be a little, a little sure. different. Of course. We'll walk that line. And the last thing I want to ask you before uh, I keep you too long now is... What do you want listeners to take away from this conversation? Um, it's not so much about hunting or specific sport or outdoor, te- you know, I think it's so important, not just addicts, we talked about addiction a lot, but just every person in general, men and women, do find something that makes you happy, that relaxes you, that um, if it's outdoors, all the much better. Um, it doesn't have to be hunting. You could get out there and climb in a stand, and you don't have to kill anything. Okay, it's not about killing. You could get up there with yeah. a beautiful, with a nice camera, and just take some really awesome wildlife pictures. But when you're able to actually, when you do choose to be outside, you actually connect with nature, um, and just outdoors, the fresh air, just being out from offices and in the world you will find parts of yourself that you didn't know existed. You will reconnect with, with something greater than, no doubt. And some of that is slapping mosquitoes and sweating and, yeah. and getting sunburned and getting trench foot. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's all part of it. And so I guess what I want to wrap this up, kind of what we were talking about this whole time, is that, and this is the message of Therapy Evolved, there is no happiness until the chemicals are lined up to be that way, and you get them there through actions. You know? I agree. So, Daphne, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we have. It's our calling to provide information and inspiration to help people achieve happiness, self-mastery, and better lifestyles in any way we can. But I'd like to take a moment to remind everyone that though I am a licensed professional counselor, these podcasts are not sufficient to count as clinical intervention nor advice. Please contact a local professional if you find yourself experiencing distress that does not improve with a good and simple routine. And finally, we're striving to improve in all that we do, all the time, and as such, we'd love your feedback. If you want to connect with us further, please do so at paragoncounselor at gmail.com or facebook.com slash paragonwellness.